this week on Hope for the Broken. Deception and jealousy and envy will get a hold of us. It will find its way down in our gut. How can you and I today take some truths and see that you and I can move past this? This is the old self. There is only one way to overcome these things. That is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot escape jealousy and envy on your own. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Life Lessons. Here's our executive pastor, Jeff Julian, with part 16 titled, Dangers of Jealousy. We're going to uh, look at a continuation of Life Lessons. Uh, from the book of 1 Samuel, uh, we're going to touch on a point that uh, is uh, specifically for me very uh, convicting. Uh, I don't know if you know you deal with these types of things. Perhaps you do, uh, but there is always an opportunity to uh, compare, to look at other people and see what they have. You know, that's. Uh, I think it happens when you when you're younger and you begin seeing what other people are doing, maybe they have, uh, they're really good at a sport and they excel in a sport and you wish that you had that talent, wish you could do the things that they do, get the accolades that they get, especially those ones that from a perspective of excelling, they went on to uh, get D1 scholarships, those types of things, you know, it seemed like they have it all, right? It's just one of those deals that you, have to battle and and say why do I feel like that what's what's you know what what's driving me to feel that way so it's interesting that today we're going to talk about and we're going to use the phrase jealousy and envy together simultaneously but I want to talk today from our scripture and look at a lesson for all of us from 1 Samuel 18 we're going to uh, look at starting uh, in verse 6 today. Here's, here's how I want to attack this. I want to attack the process of looking at envy and jealousy of saying, this is what it is. And then I'm going to move into giving us some examples of what does it do to us, to others? What does it do? But then I want to offer a little bit of homework. I'm not going to say that we're going to complete this task, but it is something that we can be encouraged and also encourage one another how to escape it. How do we move past it? How do we not get trapped in it? So that's what we're going to do with envy and jealousy. So let me read a couple of pieces of scripture here. I'm going to start in 1 Samuel 18. And I'll begin in verse 6. And as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the woman came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, 
with musical instruments, and the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. Verse 8, and Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can, can he have but the kingdom? Verse 9, and Saul eyed David from that day on. I'm going to stop right there, and uh, let's, let's look at the point of what, what is this jealousy, envy thing? How do I recognize it? Perhaps you're already familiar with it. Perhaps you have recognized the fact that you struggle with evaluating where you are. Perhaps you become jealous with what other people have. Regardless of what age you are, this is, this is not an age-related thing. This, this happens to all of us. I wish that by now of my time here on earth, I wish I'd have gotten better at it. But I still struggle with it. You know what gets me most these days? Is that at the beginning of every year, of of a new calendar year, and I'm just going to be brutally honest with you today, all right? Every ad that I see tells me that I need to have a better body. (laughs) Every ad. Everything. It doesn't matter if it's Facebook, Instagram, whatever the other ones are, television commercials, you know, they scream at you. The the radio stations, we were driving to the Metroplex over the weekend, even on the Christian radio stations. If you'll just join our group, you will have the body that you want within a certain amount of time. If you'll do this. Okay, look here. I I don't want to do that. I I just don't. I I want to have a hot dog. You know, I want a hamburger. So I just don't want to do that. But you know what? I see people who are skinny like Matt Stringer. Bro, you. <laughs> he's six foot 19. And I promise you, you know, I don't know. My, my arm are bigger than his leg holes on his pants. And so, bro, I'm not jealous of you at all. But let me just tell you for real now, here's the thing. Let's look at what it is. It's a comparison. Number one, it's a comparison. And in this particular instance through Scripture, here's what Saul heard. Saul heard at this huge celebration, they had just defeated the Philistine that, who, that single-handedly crippled the entire nation of Israel single-handedly crippled them. They were at a stalemate. They could do nothing. All right? So here's the picture. Now, David kills the Philistine. They're all coming back in from the war. 
And the women start singing. They're happy. Everybody's back home. All the, their husbands are back home. They're celebrating. And they're singing. And they actually include both of them. They said, Saul, you did this. David, you did this. They're giving props and recognition to both of the guys as leaders. But David was ascribed 10,000 kills instead of 1,000 kills. And so out of a sense of lack of self-worth, Saul picks up on the fact, they, hang, on, hang on just a second. I'm the king here. You have all that you've got because I'm the king. Y'all chose me, remember? You chose me as king. And I'm the one why you have everything. But now you're telling me that David did more than I have? Well, th this is wrong. So this is the problem. So this is where it began with Saul. Saul says, look here. If they ascribe him greater than I am, well, here's, here's plain and simple. It says this, uh, and what more can he have but the kingdom? Prophetic in its own nature because little did he realize, little did he realize that the king would be torn apart because of his disobedience. So it begins with a comparison, and here's how we practically input that. Who are you comparing yourself to today? Teenagers, speaking of, look here, who are you comparing yourself to these days? Are you comparing yourself to somebody you see on a reel or a TikTok or a Snapchat? Are you comparing yourself to whatever they have, and evidently you don't have that? Why? Why? This is where it begins. The second thing that is what it is, is that it becomes a desire. A desire is deeply seated in the fact that you and I are not content what God has given us. It's a fact. You and I can have a great life, but when we see and we compare, it eventually begins to erode into a desire for more. And we want what somebody else has. We think that we deserve more. And here's an interesting thing. I love this phrase because we use it periodically. And this is a, a, a good phrase that's very descriptive. If you will notice in verse 9 of 1 Samuel 18, look at verse 9, and it says, And Saul eyed David from that day on. Do you understand that? He eyed him. Uh, we call it the side-eyed also. You side-eye somebody? I see you over there. Mm-hmm. I know where you are. Now, Back in the day when my girls were younger, I, I used the phrase for the fellas that chose to try to speak to my girls. Poor decision. But I would tell them, I have my eye on you. Believe me. 
And I have other people having their eyes on you too. And it could go bad for you very quickly. I mean, it's the way it rolls, right? So, yes, we have our eye on somebody, but David, but King Saul, he, it says right here in Scripture that he had his eye on Saul, uh, David, because he just, he knew, he knew something went right. Well, what he was saying is, is he knew that God had a bigger plan. The third thing I want to recognize of what is it is we have this comparison that leads to desire and then it leads to resentment. <clears throat> Look what here. What happens is, is we resent the fact and believe in our hearts that others don't deserve what they have. Actually, it's an opportunity for us. We use the phrase, I begrudge the fact that they have that. You do not deserve that. So here's what it says, and this is where it comes. Uh, in verse 12 of 1 Samuel 18, look how this resentment grows. It says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Saul felt the very departing of God's hand of favor on him. And so he begrudged the fact that David was receiving these accolades and had the favor of God. Now, that's a great context for us to learn from a biblical perspective. But what does that mean for you, present day? You know, one of the things that's interesting phenomenon about our culture, especially with videos and media everywhere we turn, at our fingertips. One of the things that's striking is that in our culture today, we somebody we see some uh, perhaps an athlete or somebody who has done great things. They've accomplished so many wonderful things and accolades. So they have those things. They have a beautiful house. They have a great family. They have all this stuff. You know, maybe they have. Uh, well, you can just imagine all the things that we see uh, athletes have. And so what happens is, in a weird way, because we resent that they have those things, we want to see them fall. We do. We, we think, man, I'll tell you what, you just watch. It's going to be bad. When they fall, they're going to lose it all. I can't wait to see that. That'll put them back in their place where they deserve because they don't deserve that. What about us? Do we look at other people and go, well, how come they have that? Why don't I have that? We live that on a daily basis, folks. We look at other people instead of being content with what we have and we make an assumption that, you know what? I hope, I hope something happens and they lose that. I want to bring them back down to where I'm at. That's resentment. So those are the three progressions. I want to move on to now, what does it do? What does it do to you and I? Envy and jealousy. What is, what is it? How does it affect us? Well, here's a couple of things I'd like to, for you to, to consider. 
we know that if we go back in the chapters, all the way back to chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, we realize that when Saul disobeyed Samuel, he says, do not kick off the war. Don't even offer sacrifices. I'll be there soon. Well, Saul disobeyed. It was at that point that God's hand was removed because of his disobedience off of Saul. So he has this, this in his understanding that, look, you, you messed up. You were disobedient to me. Well, what progresses from that, because of that knowledge, we see here that number one of what it does to us, in the instance of Saul, it robbed him of all joy. It robbed him from joy, not only personally, but relationally. And that's what happens when we allow jealousy and envy to get a grip on our life is that we begin to lose joy of life. We have compared ourselves to others. We have resented people. We have a desire for them to fall. All of these things rob us of what God has in store for you and I. Matter of fact, it says here that in 12, it says, um, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertaking, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. He was afraid of David for all that he had had because God had given him favor and Saul was afraid. It robbed him of all joy in his life. He could no longer see what God had already done in his life. The second thing is that it continues to grow. It destroys through judgment and hatred. This is the fact that when Saul saw that David had such great success, in the first place, he cast him out. He says, I don't even want to see him. Matter of fact, if you go up a little bit further, it says that, uh, that David was playing the liar as he did day by day. Well, Saul had a spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I'll just pin David to the wall. I'll just get rid of him. I don't even want to see him. So it grows so quickly and so fast, Saul was doing things that probably he never would have thought of doing. I mean, because David was there to soothe him. But he says, you know what? I don't like him. I got my eye on him. I don't want to deal with him. I'm going to get rid of him. I'm going to throw a spear at him and pin him to the wall. That's how crazy our mind can get when we are not content and centered on the fact that God has blessed us uniquely for the very life that he has given to each one of us. So stop comparing. Do not allow this to grow because jealousy and hatred will grow. 
The third thing that's very interesting, and this is kind of a, a weird one, is that it hides itself from us. Jealousy and deceit and envy hides itself from our feelings. We think that we've got it under control. That's what happens. You and I in our brain think, uh, I, no, I, I'm good. I, it's, I can handle this. But can I tell you a perfect example that I've experienced in my own life? After somebody has offended me, right? We all get offended. That's the national pastime today. You know, I'm offended. We can, somebody can post on a thingy and I'm offended by that. So I want justice done immediately. But you know what? A person in particular instance will come back and say, man, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You know, I, I, I just, I mean, I'm sorry. It was a bad moment for me. I apologize. And you know what happens? And I have personally done this before. Oh, yeah, man, we're good, bro. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it another thing. While on the inside, I'm going, oh, I will hunt you down. I'm not giving up on this. I will die on this one. How warped is that? Correct? That's how bad deception and jealousy and envy will get a hold of us. It will find its way down in our gut and just hang on and say, you know what? You shouldn't have to take that. You're better than that. You shouldn't have to deal with that. You know what? Those people are out to get you. They're going to continue to knock you down. That's what jealousy and envy will do is deceive you. So how this is gloom and doom, right? This is bad. This is a bad place to be. So how, how can we move beyond this? How can you and I today take some, some truths and see that you and I can move past this. Look, here's, here's the greatest and best thing that we have available for us. This, in our human nature, apart from Jesus Christ, is the old self. You understand that? This is the old self. This is how we are born because we're human. That's, this is scriptural theologic information right now. Our old self is apart from Christ. So you are not going to be able to overcome these things. They are part of our fallen human nature. There is only one way to overcome these things, how to escape it. That is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I can tell you 100% fact, you cannot escape jealousy and envy on your own. You cannot. You will have 100% failure rate. 100%. There is only one way, and that is through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Because we have to die to the old man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creation. Behold, new things have come.
These old things pass away. New things have come. That's the only way. So here's how we understand now to escape it. With that as our new foundation, old things have passed away, new things have come with a new life in Christ. We have the perfect example of how to escape this. We begin to love like Jesus. What a beautiful fact that you and I have the privilege of loving like Jesus. Do you realize there's a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians about biblical love, how Jesus wants us to love? It's in 1 Corinthians 13. Nearly all of the, the church weddings that we do, somebody's got to read 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it's just one of those things. You get married in church, somebody's going to read 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's a warning. I don't know. I, I, I remember they're reading it in my, my wedding ceremony. I'm like, whew, that's, that's going to be tough to live up to. Especially when it says, love is patient and kind, let's not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude. I failed that this morning. This morning, after 40 years, I failed. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. So here it is. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow, isn't that awesome? So here we have that when you and I love like Jesus, you and I have the privilege of being able to do exactly the opposite of envy and jealousy. That's where it begins. And the only way to do that is through Christ. Second way to escape it is to see how Jesus modeled it. What a beautiful picture this is in Philippians 2. We find that in 5 through 8, it says this. Philippians 2, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. That is Christ in all of his divinity, divine nature, but also in all of the fullness of man like you and you, me and you. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. You and I have that opportunity. When we are in those situations, we can humble ourselves. It doesn't matter. What is it going to change? What will it change? Do you think that you're going to change something about how they think about you? Humble yourselves, and that will be the right change. The last piece here of how to escape it, find freedom from giving up. One of the things that I found interesting, and it was a beautiful illustration, is that when we go back to what Pastor Chris spoke about last week, with the friendship between Jonathan and David, one of the beautiful elements was this freedom of giving up. Because if anybody could have been jealous with envy, it would have been Jonathan. Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne. He had it all teed up for him to be the successor, to be the new king of Israel. He had it all laid out. He, was, he had all the gear. He had all the stuff. He had the place to live. He had it everything. And when 
God made it clear that David was the one. In an act of loving like Jesus, in an act of modeling what Jesus did, Jonathan found the freedom of giving it up. And he did so by giving his sword, his robe, all of those things outwardly that says, I'm the next king. But Jonathan said, I want you to have it. I want you to have it. Have you ever done something like that to somebody else? I want you to have it. I enjoy greatly doing that now for my grandkids. I want you to have it. If I have something, it could be anything. You know, Jake, he's a grazer. He's a drive-by eater. He, drives by, he rides by the table and goes, Shoo! and he, <laughs> it's gone. I will gladly give that to you. I will gladly give it to you. The beautiful thing is, church family, here's the deal. Hey, don't stay where you are. Don't, don't stay where you are right now with fighting with envy and jealousy. It's not worth it. Don't stay there. You and I today have the privilege. And this is, this is just not my words. This is from God's word saying, look, we have a chance to be better. Because God gave us the opportunity and the help to be better to ourselves and to others. You want to be better in your marriage? Be humble. Love them sacrificially. Be humble. You want to be a better friend? Want what's best for them and help make it happen. You can do that. These are Christ-like characteristics that we could do today. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.